You know, it's very possible you're doing school wrong. <laughs> Seriously. And if the pandemic hasn't taught us anything, it may have taught us that. Many schools and school leaders were caught with their quote unquote pants around their ankles, totally unprepared for what was about to happen. And today I have a powerful conversation with Eric Scheninger, and he said something that I think encapsulates this experience. He told me that we are preparing kids for something versus preparing kids for anything. And that's what it means to future-proof education. Eric's latest book is called Disruptive Thinking in Our Classrooms, Preparing Learners for Their Future. And that's what our conversation centers on, how to future-proof education and how to help it iterate and turn into what it needs to, to powerfully serve today's students and students beyond. Hey, it's Danny, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after these messages from our show sponsors. Take the next step in your professional development with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Learn from Harvard Business and Education School faculty while you collaborate with a global network of fellow school leaders. Apply now for our February 2022 cohort at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Are you automatically tracking online student participation data during COVID? Innovative school leaders across the country have started tracking online student participation using TeachFX because it's one of the most powerful ways to improve student outcomes during COVID, especially for English learners and students of color. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. Well, Ruckus Makers, we are in for a treat today. We have the chief disruptive ruckus maker, Eric Scheninger, who is an associate partner with the International Center for Leadership in Education. Prior to this, Eric was a teacher and the award-winning principal at New Milford High School. Under his leadership, his school became a globally recognized model for innovative practices. Eric oversaw the successful implementation of several sustainable change initiatives that radically transformed the learning culture at his school while increasing achievement. And today we'll be talking about his latest book, Disruptive Thinking in Our Classrooms, Preparing Learners for Their Future. Eric, welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here with the Ruckus Maker community and to really dive in to topics that I feel we all share. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. So you had a teacher, I believe this is, this is your story, back in the 80s, who had an incredible challenge for the students, which was, how will you colonize Mars as a class? And this was before a ton of technology, uh, absolutely disruptive in, in creating a classroom experience for the students. Can you bring us to the moment when that teacher challenged you with that? 
I sure can, but I want to thank you first for making me feel old with the uh, stating of the 1980s. But yes, you know, that was uh, Mr. South in rural New Jersey. And he, he, he was crazy. I mean, you, when you think of your stereotypical ruckus maker, that mm. was Mr. South. I mean, in kindergarten, he was wearing jeans and plaid shirts with a tie. And when we got to his class, I mean, it was just so different than everything else we'd experienced. And when he said, hey, how will you, ch- how will you colonize Mars? Mm. We all looked and were like, hey, aren't you going to give us notes on this? Uh, aren't you going to tell us what to do? And then he put us in teams where we, well, actually let us choose our teams where we each had to, it was like a jigsaw activity. We each had Mm. a small piece to the puzzle and we had to design a prototype that was going to be used by the larger team to help colonize Mars. And, you know, when you think about disruption and preparing learners for this world, I mean, there was, was no internet, There were no computers. We used World Book encyclopedias, but we were able to successfully build prototypes and show others what we learned, but in the context of a bigger problem. And the best part was, you know, we did our research papers, we had our working prototypes, but he had us paper mache the whole classroom to look like the surface of Mars. And then we brought our parents in and showed us them what we learned. That has stuck with me. It's crystal clear. But it allowed us, he helped us think disruptive, disruptively by replacing conventional ideas with innovative solutions to authentic problems. So, I, you know, I, I can make some assumptions about why that moment really stuck with you through the years, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. So for you, why does that experience like one of those r- remarkable ones? Well, I think when we look at how we learn as adults, it's no different than how kids learn. And learning is driven or should be driven by an intrinsic desire to become better. And how we define that, that is a personal experience. But when we look at this example of why it's stuck and why he got people to love science who didn't love science, there was relevancy, there was meaning, there was purpose We were able to use real-world tools to do real-world work. We were immersed in competencies of, you know, not just critical thinking and uh, creativity, but but communication, collaboration. Uh, But I, I think that when it was all said and done, we had a tangible product, not a letter, not a grade, a product that was a manifestation of what we could do that pushed us. You know, we hear today a lot. Well kids can't do this, or it's too challenging them. And the the reality is, you know, kids and adults can do amazing things if we create the conditions, lots of feedback, you know, clarity in terms of what the expectation is, uh, you know, mini conferencing, but also creating conditions where we can unleash that greatness in those who we serve. And I think Mr. South did an amazing job influencing me and my peers. Talk to me more about this importance of product versus, uh, you know, the letter or the grade. That's something interesting that I think ruckus makers would like to hear more about. You know, and going back to the world that we live in now, you know, disruptive forces are at play all the time. And, you know, we look at you know, I remember since you brought up the 80s, I remember when Amazon came out in the late 90s. Right. And none of us even knew about it. 
until it was too late because now the stock price is like, oh, why did we buy it back then? <laughs> but you know, when you look at product, everything is, you, people could say, oh, well, it's about bonuses and financial compensation, but people are creating something that is going to be used. And when we look at traditional schooling that flies in the face of a disruptive world, you know, knowledge, recall, that information we can get from Siri or Alexa, you know, kids, you know, they want to either be pushed to a greater purpose or they want to be pushed outside their comfort zones. They just don't know it. But that product becomes that sort of everlasting reminder of not just what we know, but what we can do and all the struggle that we encountered along the way and how we overcame it. You know, I remember when my son in sixth and I think he was in seventh grade, I was home, which I'm not home often. I was taking a nap. He woke me up. I was in deep sleep and I was really aggravated. And when I woke up, he showed me this bridge that he created. Uh And I could care less that he was, had it was an A student, but the fact that he actually talked about, you know, why he built the bridge this way, how he did it, the choice involved, the teacher impact. So it's that product that becomes that emotional connection as well as intellectual and social. And I think that's the main aspect. We hear about, you know, SEL all the time, but how do we really connect that into an experience? And an experience leads to some type of product, whether it's tangible or not, that helps students really reflect on why I'm learning this, how will I use it, and what tells me if I'm successful or not. So you mentioned that I've brought up the 80s a few times. So I have to ask, back in the 80s when I was in school, we could turn in a reading log at Pizza Hut for free pizza. Did you have this experience or is this specific to me in my area? Well, Dan, I think it was specific to you because the closest Pizza Hut to me was about 30 minutes away. Okay. Uh, that's how rural it was. So, uh, but we had our local establishments, our mom and pops, that we would get the same type of extrinsic reward that might <laughs> or might not have any connection to learning. Yeah. Well, I was there for the pizza. Listen, that's my favorite food. Okay. You can answer this 80s question. This will be the last 80s question. I I love 80s questions, by the way. (laughs) Favorite band during the 80s? What were you listening to? Well, I can tell you that I'm from New Jersey, so you'll have a 50% chance to get it right. Ooh, now it's putting me on the spot, so I might really mess this up. Is is that, I hope it's Van Halen, but I could be totally off. Uh, It is not, but Ah. uh, the correct answers were either Bruce Springsteen or Bon Jovi. And uh, (laughs) I was, uh, uh, I'm still... Bon Jovi all the way for me. That's amazing. Bon Jovi's kid uh, goes to Syracuse right here locally. So how about that? Full circle. (laughs) Okay. Back to disruptive thinking. You mentioned uh, product versus letters and grades. I heard you say mini conferencing and feedback. Anything else you'd like to mention here in terms of ruckus makers who want to lead that kind of culture and infuse it within their school? Yeah, and I think it's a great question because when we talk about change, you know, the brain is wired to keep us safe. So we are often held back by fear or comfort. You know, one of my favorite show movies mm-hmm. was The Greatest Showman. And in that movie, Hugh Jackman 
besides all the great songs and the fact that he could really sing, he basically said that comfort is the enemy of progress. And I think when we look at what can ruckus makers do, well, let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's really look at our instructional strategies, what the teacher does, and ask ourselves, are those strategies empowering kids to think? But it's also, how do we re-envision the learning experience? And we hear a lot about equity, that we should. But my big question is, what does equity look like in our classroom? And how can we ensure an equitable learning environment? That comes down to personalized learning. It's not about putting every kid in a device, but how do we ensure that all kids get what they need when and where they need it? And we look at the available time. Personalization is that shift from what we teach to who, our learners, to emphasize ownership. Strategies such as stage rotation, where data is being used to group, regroup students, provide targeted instruction. Choice activities, choice boards, must-do, may-do activities. Playlists where kids are just choosing the order of the tasks. Behind all those, Danny, the teacher is pulling those kids that needs the most help. Flipped classroom, which we saw during the pandemic. Kids get the content, and then in school, they're actively applying the concepts in a differentiated fashion. So in a disruptive world, kids aren't lined up in rows. They're not getting talked at for... 30, 40, 50 minutes. It's how do we create again, coming back to that experience, an experience that could lead to product, an experience that could lead to competency, an experience that can prepare kids uh, with the social and emotional supports that they need to be successful. So, and finally, just looking at the, the environment in, in which our kids learn, you know, looking at flexible seating, looking at you know, how we expose our students to things beyond, beyond the curriculum that bring the curriculum to life. So mm. those are some things as we think about, you know, as I envision and synthesize the term ruckus maker, it's how do you march to the beat of your own drum? How do you go down the path less traveled to get better results? For kids, it's not about throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. It's about challenging kids to think and apply their thinking in relevant, meaningful ways because that is how you future proof learning for kids, which is what they will need now and what they will need 50 years from now. Right. And, and when, I, when I think of you, you know, I think of innovation, I think of uh, disruption. I know that led to you winning awards uh, and doing quite well as a, as a school leader. Uh, but from my understanding, that sometimes leads to uh, some challenges within the staff, right? Uh, in, in, in some resistance there and that kind of thing. And so if there's a ruckus maker listening to all of what you've been sharing so far, they want to implement it. They're excited too that they might get recognized, potentially win some awards for their effort. But the resistance comes within the culture and within the staff. I'm just curious how you handled that personally. When going through it. Yeah, first I got to do a fact check. You know, I didn't personally win awards. I was fortunate to be stowed different, uh, I guess, you know, acknowledgements because of what my staff did. And, you know, leadership isn't about title, position, or power. Leadership is about action. And I'd like to think that I did a decent job empowering my staff. Mm. And then I was the, I guess, the, on the surface, the beneficiary. But as you think about resistance, you know, people, we, we hear so often 
We got to get people to buy in. I got to get them to buy in. Well, buy in is rooted in if then rewards, carrots and sticks. We shouldn't have to sell things because that builds animosity. Hmm. Oh, well, now you got to do this. And, and here's what I'm going to give you. We need to focus on embracement. So when you think about resistance, why don't people change? Because they don't understand the value that the change is going to have in their immediate practice. And right now, everyone wants time, time, time. How will this help me do what I do better? So as you think about the resistance and the naysayers and antagonists, it's, you know, how do you make them part of the solution and not let them continue to be part of the problem? You know, leadership is not about telling people what to do. It's taking them where they need to be. So as you think about the root causes of people being, I guess, anti-change, well, sometimes the leaders haven't done a, a good enough job articulating, well, here's why we're going to do this. Here's how. It's not only going to help you be better, but how it's going to improve outcomes. And here's what we're going to provide you to be successful. Clarity in the classroom for kids is of utmost importance. But for anything that we want to change, clarity is just as important for the adults. Flavor of the month, this too shall pass, idea bingo, you know, that just does not help when you don't have that clarity. That's when you have a lot of roadblocks to change. For me, I wasn't perfect. I surrounded myself with people that were smarter than me, that were more capable than me. And for the most part, I got out of their way, but I gave them feedback and I held everyone accountable, accountable to our kids. Hmm. So many powerful concepts there to unpack, but the one thing, especially with the fact check and then how you ended there too, I was reading because I'm writing a piece about culture today. And uh, it was interesting in my research, just how many high-level leaders said, it's about empowering your people and getting out of the way, like you just mentioned. And so uh, thank you for bringing that you know, to our, our, our focus. So we're going to pause here just for a quick message from our sponsors. Uh, but when we get back, I'd love to just ask you, what are some of those lessons you think we've learned through this pandemic? Learn how to successfully navigate change, shape your school's success, and lead your teams with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Get world-class Harvard faculty research specifically adapted for pre-K through 12 schools. Self-paced online PD that fits your schedule. Apply now at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. The BLBS podcast is also brought to you by TeachFX. Research shows that the more students speak in class, the more they learn, and the better they perform on standardized tests. TeachFX has helped hundreds of schools increase their student engagement by visualizing for teachers what portions of class are teacher talk versus student talk. Get a 20% discount on TeachFX by using a special code just for the Ruckus Maker Nation. That's teachfx.com slash BLBS. And today's last show sponsor is Organized Binder, a program which gives students daily exposure to goal setting reflective learning, time and task management, study strategies, organization skills, and more. Organized Binder's color-coded system is implemented by the teacher through parallel process with students, helping them create a predictable and dependable classroom routine. 
You can learn more and improve your students' executive functioning and non-cognitive skills at organizedbinder.com. And so we are back with Eric Scheninger. Uh, latest book, Disruptive Thinking in Our Classrooms, Preparing Learners for Their Future. They'll be linked up uh, in the show notes, and we highly suggest that you check it out. So, Eric, lessons learned from the pandemic. From your seat, what are some of those big ones that we don't want to forget? Yeah, and I'll preface this from my seat. You know, I'm fortunate to spend a lot of time in classrooms like where I am right now, thousands of different classrooms. So here's what I think we've learned collaboratively. Personalization works. And personalization is an important step to equitable learning. Number two, infrastructure, high quality Wi-Fi, flexible seating devices is something that we need in disruptive world. Three, people need people. Learning has to be social. It's got to be interactive and collaborative. Four, time is fluid. You know, it's not about more time. It's about how do we use the time better that we have with our kids? Five, we can break the mold. We did it during the pandemic. We continue to can continue to do it. We got to embrace, embrace innovative practices and not go back to the most dangerous phase of education. That's the way we've always done it. Six, learning management systems are vital to continuity and consistency where we can give kids equitable experiences if they go on quarantine or if they're on a homebound instruction. Um, seven, Continuous learning is a must. That goes without saying, but think about how much we learned during a pandemic. We got to continue to learn. And eight, Maslow before Bloom's well-being first, not just for our learners, but our educators, those that are in schools every day working with kids, they, they need support, everybody. And we need to do everything we can, teachers, administrators, aides, bus drivers, cafeteria workers, counselors, we need to support them as much as we need to support our kids so with their social emotional learning. That list has me fired up. <laughs> I, like, I can't wait to rewind this and listen again. So thank you so much for sharing that. So Eric, I know Disruptive Thinking in Our Classrooms is not a book about just you, right? Rather, it's about teacher stories and stories of their success. Do you have a favorite story from the book you'd like to share with Ruckus Makers? Oh, today? my goodness. Now, I think you're trying to cause ruckus in my mind because, <laughs> oh, there's so many good ones. And, you know, I look at the shared success. And yeah. one of the things from my lens is, as someone who actually gets to work shoulder to shoulder with teachers and administrators is in the midst of adversity, I get to see resilience. And I think that's a defining characteristic of all educators. But, you know, I will be a little biased here. You know, I look at the work of Wells Elementary in Cypress Fairbanks ISD in the district that I live. I was able to be their coach when my daughter was a fifth grader there. And they were able to combine what I consider to be the result of the best blended pedagogies in the country. And it all started with common vision, common language, common expectations building that foundation as to what does good instruction look like to set the stage for, you know, empowered learning. And, you know, you look at this K through five school where they got the flexible seating, they have the administrative leadership that supports their staff with continuous feedback, but then you go into every classroom and there's clarity, there's standards aligned learning targets there's purposeful work with technology. There's portfolios aligned to benchmark assessments and student work where you can see the feedback that kids are giving. 
But the best part is the students coming home and talking about why they love school. And by the way, the standardized achievement to back it up. I mean, 95% proficient across the board, grades three through five, is something that is pretty darn amazing. And from a parent point of view, my kid has no tutors, gets no help from mommy and daddy. It's going back to everything we talked about, that experience. So, you know, Wells stands out just because of the personal connection, but all of the schools and districts that I'm fortunate to work with, you see that commitment from teachers and administrators to not have all the answers, but to constantly try to improve our sort of, you have your, you know, focus, you know, your raucous community. Ours is chase growth, not perfection. If you chase perfection, you're always going to be disappointed. There is no perfection in education. There's no perfection in disruptive world, but we can all make the decision every day to get better. That's right. Progress, not perfection. So Eric, if you could put a message on all school marquees across the globe, just for a single day, what would your message read? Don't prepare learners for something, prepare them for anything. We weren't prepared for the pandemic. We weren't prepared for the fourth industrial revolution. But if we future-proof learning and we empower all kids to think and apply their thinking in relevant, meaningful ways, that tagline becomes very powerful to societal success. Mm. Eric, you're building a school from the ground up. You're not limited by any resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. How would you build your dream school? What would be its guiding three principles? Well, this won't be a guiding principle, but I think this would be one of the standard is that every teacher would be paid a monumental six-figure salary to reward them for what they truly deserve. So that would be sort of the, the, the guiding mantra. But having people that are highly paid and appreciated is important. But the three priorities, you know, uh, you know, and I look at the disruptive world and moving beyond just getting through the curriculum. Number one, I'd want to have physical spaces and virtual spaces that are more reflective of the real world. Flexible seating and, again, using collaborative technologies the way they were supposed to be used. Uh, number two, I'd love to have mentorship programs, uh, not just for the students, but also for the staff to get greater perspective on how they could do what they do better. And number three, you know, I'd love to have portfolios that aren't just your traditional, hey, here's the work by standard, but portfolios that are laden with peer educator, and community feedback. You know, I think transparency is very important in terms of the checks and balances that we should have on our education system. And the portfolios really can be used to show competencies as opposed to our traditional metrics, letters, numbers, grades, and so on. So that would be the three flexible seating mentorships portfolios on steroids, but also under the umbrella of great pay. Great pay and appreciation. Well, Eric, thanks so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast today. Now, we've covered a lot of ground and of everything we talked about today. What's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? I want you to remember the impact that you have on kids, on other adults. You don't get enough credit for all that you do, but those of us on the outside are truly in your debt for the sacrifices that you have and continue to make. You know, when we think about 
you know, being a ruckus maker, you are doing things differently, but you're also under a lot of stress and pressure. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed. Mm-hmm.